This is Barry Zalma, Zalma on Insurance. I am an attorney who has retired from the practice of law and now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant and expert witness, an author and producer of these videos. Today I'd like to speak about the need of the public insurance adjuster to deal fairly and in good faith with his clients and his clients' insurers and act ethically. When insureds are busy professionals, they simply do not have the time or patience to deal with the details of a first-party property claim. The public insurance adjuster exists to assist insureds in the presentation of a claim to the insurer. The public insurance adjuster is, in most states, licensed by the state insurance department. The insurer's adjuster is often asked to deal with a public insurance adjuster and finds that the contact between the public insurance adjuster and the insurer's adjuster seems to often be adversarial since the public insurance adjuster wishes to justify his or her contingency fee to the insured. Both should be working toward the same goal, the payment of proper and complete indemnity to the insured. Public adjusters claim that they are, mostly with good cause, professionals who are employed exclusively by a policyholder who has sustained an insured first-party property loss. The public adjuster handles every detail of the claim, working closely with the insured to provide the most equitable and prompt settlement possible. A public adjuster should inspect the lost site immediately, analyze the damages, assemble claim support data, review the insured's coverage, determine current replacement costs, and exclusively serve the client, not the insurance company, while working ethically with the insurer's adjuster. The National Association of Public Insurance Adjusters, NAPIA, publishes a code of conduct which sets forth the ethical standards that all public insurance adjusters should follow. It provides, The following rules of professional conduct and ethics are applicable to all members of NAPIA. 1. The members shall conduct themselves in a spirit of fairness and justice to their clients, the insurance companies, and the public. 2. Members shall refrain from improper solicitation. 3. No misrepresentation of any kind shall be made to an assured or to the insurance companies. 4. Commission rates shall be fair and equitable and strictly in accordance with the prevailing custom in the locality and must, where laws or regulations of insurance departments exist, comply fully with such laws or regulations. 5. Members shall conduct themselves so as to command respect and confidence. They shall work in harmony with one another, with their clients, 
and the insurance company's representatives so as to foster a cordial and harmonious relationship with all branches of the insurance business and with the general public. 6. Members must be fitted by knowledge and experience for the work they undertake. They must not endanger the interests of the public adjusting profession or risk injustice to assureds or to the insurance companies by attempting to handle losses or claims for which they are not qualified and for which they cannot find competent technical assistance. 7. Members shall not engage in the unauthorized practice of law. 8. Members shall not acquire any interest in salvaged property or participate in any way, directly or indirectly, in the reconstruction, repair, or restoration of damaged property except with the knowledge, consent, and permission of the insured. 9. Members shall be cooperative and assist one another in every possible way. And 10. Members shall not disseminate or use any form of agreement, advertising, or any printed matter that is harmful to the profession of public adjusting or which does not comply with the rules and regulations of the insurance department of the state in which such member is professionally engaged or which might subject public adjusting and public adjusters to criticism or disrespect. An example of a public insurance adjuster and the lawyer who failed to follow the requirements set out by Napia, where both represented the same client, involved a claim that resulted from the 1994 Northridge, California earthquake. The earthquake caused billions of dollars in damages across Southern California. It drew lawyers and public adjusters seeking large fees like vultures flying over a dead antelope. As a result of the disaster, investigation by insurers was limited because of the extent of losses caused by the earthquake and the need to rapidly serve their needs. Many unnecessary and spurious suits were filed. Insurance fraud was rampant, and insurers paid rather than fight because there was inadequate staff available to deal with fraud and governmental agencies who were threatening insurers with major fines if they did not pay claims quickly. Some insurers, because of the lack of trained staff, denied claims that should have been paid. The errors caused the state of California to pass a law allowing insureds to sue their insurers as late as 2002, four years after expiration of the statute of limitations and eight years after expiration of the private limitation of action provision in most policies. This change in the limitation period brought about many proper suits and some spurious actions. 
Insurers were not the only entities who acted unethically. Some public insurance adjusters acting alone or with the assistance of unscrupulous lawyers violated the standards set by Napia and the Covenant of Good Faith and Fair Dealing. In a not officially published opinion of the California Court of Appeal, a serious blow was imposed on an attorney who filed an apparently malicious and unfounded lawsuit against Scottsdale Insurance Company. The Court of Appeal decided that the attorney must stand trial on an action from an insurer for malicious prosecution because it was highly probable that the suit would be successful. In bringing the action, Scottsdale took an important step that will protect insurers against lawyers and public adjusters who use the courts as a bludgeon, whether proper or not, to force insurers to pay to avoid the costs of litigation. If they take the case to trial and prove the malice, a punitive damages award against the lawyer and the public adjuster will go far to chill the proclivity of some lawyers to file suit without sufficient facts on the assumption that everything an insurer does is wrong and in bad faith. The action began in 1994, after the Northridge earthquake, when Regency Royale Homeowners Association claimed it sustained earthquake damage. Five months later, Regency submitted an application to Scottsdale for earthquake insurance and represented it was insured through Homestead Insurance Company and had sustained no losses during the previous five years. Scottsdale relied on those representations in issuing a policy to Regency, providing coverage from 1994 to 1995. On December 26, 2001, Regency's public insurance adjuster, Capolo and Son, requested that Scottsdale assign an adjuster to investigate Regency's claim of earthquake damage under the policy. On December 31, Stephen Zellig, the lawyer for Regency, filed suit in Los Angeles Superior Court against Scottsdale and others entitled Waldman et al. v. Golden Bear. The complaint was filed under the statute that revived the time-barred Northridge earthquake insurance claims, provided that the insured had contacted his or her insurer prior to January 1, 2000, and the lawsuit was filed prior to January 1, 2002. Zelig was provided with the Regency file from Capolo with insufficient time prior to the filing deadline under the revival statute to undertake an independent investigation of whether Scottsdale was the proper insurer. Zelig claimed he relied on Capolo's representation that Scottsdale insured Regency, for the earthquake risk in filing his complaint. Capolo, likewise, had not independently investigated whether Scottsdale was the proper insurer. In January 2002, Scottsdale informed Capolo that Regency's policy did not provide coverage until six months after the Northridge earthquake, and that Homestead Insurance was likely the proper insurer. 
Scottsdale also advised that Regency had not initiated a claim prior to January 1, 2000, as required by the revival statute. Regardless, Zelig served the complaint on Scottsdale. In October of 2002, Scottsdale responded to Regency's request for documents in part by producing the declarations page of the insurance policy it had issued to Regency for inception six months after the earthquake. In November 2002, Capolo informed Zellig's office that farmers and State Farm carried coverage on the Regency property at the time of the earthquake, not Scottsdale. Scottsdale had additional communications with Zellig, asserting it had not insured the risk. Regardless, even after Scottsdale filed its motion for summary judgment, a new counsel eventually associated in on behalf of Regency acknowledged that Scottsdale was not the proper insurer, the new lawyer dismissed Scottsdale without prejudice before the summary judgment hearing. Scottsdale incurred in excess of $30,000 in attorney's fees in the evaluation and defense of the action. The trial court concluded that the voluntary dismissal without prejudice in the prior action was a favorable termination of the lawsuit in favor of Scottsdale thus giving it the minimum requirement for filing a malicious prosecution action. The court found the allegations were sufficient to state a cause of action against Zelig. Then Zelig and Capolo and their client were looking at a probable judgment of $30,000 in attorney's fees and as much as nine times that amount in punitive damages. Scottsdale properly took an aggressive stance against a lawyer and public adjuster who had believed blatantly abused the process of the court and maliciously forced Scottsdale to defend a lawsuit that could not possibly succeed, that it gave Zelig and Capolo the opportunity to avoid the suit by informing them of the true nature of the policy and its effective dates, and that it would be impossible for it to respond with indemnity to a claim for damages occurring before the policy came into effect, Scottsdale was kind, and its kindness was returned with aggression. Scottsdale's reasonable conduct and attempt to resolve the situation in a non-confrontational manner was rewarded by abuse and refusal by Zelig to be confused with facts. About a year later, the same Court of Appeal, clearly upset with the parties held in Scottsdale v. Zelig, a 2008 decision, that in the third appeal filed by Stephen Zelig in the malicious prosecution case against his sole proprietorship was false and was a total failure. Without citing any authority, Zelig asserted that he cannot be added to the judgment because he was released by the settlement agreement that he did not pay. Zelig ignored the evidence favorable to the trial court's rulings. The party's settlement agreement, as reflected in the re record, specifically provided 
the release of liability was conditioned on the payment of $45,000 by Zelig's law office. He failed again. The actions of Zelig and Capolo in this case brought by Scottsdale was evidence of a breach of the conditions and ethical boundaries set by Napia in its ethical statements, and the work done by Scottsdale when uh, should be emulated by any insurer faced with similar unethical on bad faith conduct by insureds, their lawyers, and their public adjusters. This video was adapted from my book, Insurance Fraud, Volume 1, which is available from Amazon.com as both a Kindle book and as a paperback. If you found this video interesting and useful to your understanding of the work of public insurance adjusters and how they must act ethically, Please pass this on to your colleagues. It's free. And please subscribe or follow my YouTube channel, my Rumble channel, and my blog so that you can learn about future blog posts and videos. Thank you for your attention.